Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Gardner. We have a really fun episode, really fun topic to dive into today, um, just to really get into the weeds on the events of the last week and a half or so that have gone on in the in the stock market. Um, you know, this is, you know, like I said, certainly going to get kind of into the nitty gritty a bit more than we usually have in the past, but I think given the historic nature of what's transpired um, since the whole, you know, GameStop, short squeeze kind of craze has gone on, um, I think it's important to really dive into it and to, to understand why it happened, you know, what were the factors that, that you know, played into it, and what sort of impact we're looking at going forward, because, you know, there's definitely a lot of folks who made some life-changing money in the last week, week and a half, but it, there's also, you know, a lot of risk out there right now. So I think it's important to address both, you know, what led to the upside potential and what the significant downside risks are. So, you know, one thing to address out of the gate, again, mentioned on previous podcasts, but certainly not a financial advisor. These are kind of my, you know, my personal opinions and perspective on, on what's gone on. Um, so, you know, take that into account. I'm not offering any financial advice here. Uh, additionally, I also mentioned, this is going back to the very first episode when we talked about, you know, core values of the podcast and specifically mentioned that I wasn't going to discuss particular stocks, right? This is a slight exception. So we're going to talk, you know, primarily about GameStop, but in the context of how it fueled a new market trend, right? So this is not an indictment or a projection of GameStop itself. It's merely just the most uh, obvious and kind of, um, you know, blown out of proportion example that we can use. So when you hear me talking about GameStop, just know it's not a recommendation to purchase it, to sell it. You know, you have to make your own financial decisions when it comes to, to you know, specific securities. I'm just going to use it because it's, you know, colloquially been the most obvious example of the new short squeeze retail investor trend that we've been seeing over the last week and a half or so. So, you know, getting into it here, what really happened, right? So, you know, at the at its core, basically, you know, we had a bunch of a bunch of retail investors, you know, got together, different forums, and they went and targeted some heavily shorted stocks. So that's why you're seeing, you know, GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, uh, Nokia, um, some of those name the name brands that, you know, you might hear and at first glance you're like, well, one, do they still exist? Two, are they are they a legitimate business? Are they, you know, are they still still bringing in revenue? How are they surviving, right? So those are all perfectly valid questions. Again, not not trying to, you know, preach about a specific stock, but um, so some of those the, those names are kind of what's been thrown around, right? And, and uh, see things like, you know, their stock price is up 7,000% this year. Um, other headlines, you know, hedge funds are are hemorrhaging money and they're having to go out and raise capital just to avoid, you know, liquidity issues or just, in other words, just running out of money, right? And then you saw brokerages, you know, compound the issue of, uh, you know, of kind of the whole crazy scenario here by starting to limit, you know, different trades, right? Now all of a sudden you couldn't buy, you couldn't buy GameStop stock at one point. 
you can only sell it. And they opened it up, and you can only buy a certain number of shares. And so that's a whole secondary controversy on top of this that we may, we're going to touch on it a bit. I don't want to get into the weeds on that piece because I think that's a little bit, a little bit off kind of the most relevant lessons and insights that we can glean um, from what's been going on so far. But, you know, as all those events were transpiring, what's been kind of the broader impact? And I mean, obviously, like I said, you see certain stocks, you know, to borrow the, the common phrase now, they went to the moon, right, on the rocket ship. So seeing GameStop go nuts. Um, but at the same time, we also saw the markets as a whole go down. And so we'll get into why that occurred a little bit later on. But it is interesting to note that, you know, specific securities um, were skyrocketing, you know, in basically an artificial manner, while the, the market... Um, as a whole kind of suffered some hits there. So that is kind of the broad approach or broad, you know, look there. Um, but really the biggest thing that concerns me about what's happened so far is the death trap that's been set for retail investors. And so I'll get into that a little bit later on too, but um, that's really kind of the, the catalyst behind talking about here on the podcast. All right. So let's kind of let's start with the, the the basics here let's let's understand the the context the background of what what led to this epic run that GameStop and some of these other stocks have uh, have gone on right so really it starts with you know if you go back to last year and you know you saw last March as COVID really took hold particularly mid-March, markets got hammered, right, down massively. Um, everybody was just was bleeding cash at that point. You know, it didn't really matter what company you were, you were taking hits. Um, but kind of coming out of COVID or coming out of that initial crash and going throughout the year, GameStop became one of the most or the most shorted stock in, in the U.S. So, couple things to dive into there so what does shorting mean um, you know if you're not familiar with a lot of kind of the investing terminology you know it's it's I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if you're not familiar with short selling um, I know a lot of people have asked me about it lately so just kind of a brief a brief walkthrough of it um, so when it comes to stocks you can either you can either be short or long it has nothing to do with time, you know, time that you're holding it. We talked about like short-term and long-term capital gains and things like that before. Short and long when it comes to stocks is not an indicator of time. It's just the type of position you hold. So long means you are purchasing shares um, and holding shares, right? In anticipation of the value going up. So that's, if you've, if you've bought any shares in the open market, then, then that means, you know, if you say you bought 10 shares of Apple today, that means you're long 10 shares of Apple. You could sell it today or sell it 10 years from now, whatever it might be. Being short is kind of the, the opposite expectation. You're expecting the stock price, the share price to go down. So if shares today are at $10 um, and you think they're going to go to 5 then you might short a stock at 10 and hopefully, you know, it goes down to five and you make money. So what shorting is, is 
today, the day that you want to decide to short a company, um, you borrow shares from somebody, from somebody else. You borrow those shares and you sell them on the market. So um, I saw a really good, there was a good um, kind of tidbit or video from someone who was describing it as like, you know, if you say your friend had coins and you borrowed them today and sold them for a hundred bucks, you know, eventually you're going to have to give those coins back to your friend, right? So maybe a couple months you decide to go out or you need to repay your friend those coins. So you have to go out, purchase coins, and then you give them back to your friend and they're no worse for wear and you made money or you, you know, lost money depending on how the price moved. So um, the interesting thing to note about shorting a stock is the losses that you could in, you could incur. So your your potential losses are unlimited, right? Th theoretically unlimited. So if you decide to short a stock at ten dollars, it could go to let's just say a ludicrous number, a billion dollars a share, right? So you can see how you know at some point you have to close the position. You have to get out of your short. Um, your short position and that means you have to go out and purchase shares to then give back to the person that you borrow them from initially um, so theoretically you could you know lose an unlimited amount as, as the share price continues going up whereas you know in my example if you bought 10 shares of apple say at 100 bucks a share then your maximum loss would be thousand dollars right if those shares went to zero you had 100 times 10 was a thousand you lost a thousand dollars that is that's cap that's your maximum loss so when you're shorting you can continue as long as the price goes up you're still losing money so during 2020 gamestop became the most shorted stock on the market at around 140 percent and you might ask yourself well how does it how is it shorted over 100 percent and you know, not to get too deep into it, but basically what that looks like is, say you have, you know, investor one goes out, purchases shares. Um, so they own, they own shares at GameStop. They decide, hey, I'm gonna let somebody borrow them so they can short sell them. So they can short GameStop, right? So they, they lend out their shares. Investor two then takes those and sells them to investor three. Investor three then decides, hey, like I'm gonna lend them out to let somebody else short them again. Um, not knowing, you know, no one knows that shares they're purchasing have been shorted before or anything like that, right? So you can see kind of how the chain just keeps building where, you know, one person shorts it, somebody else buys it, they lend it out to be shorted, somebody else buys it, and it just keeps going. So that's why you could see, you know, a one GameStop share could be shorted multiple times depending on how it's kind of changed hands and how things have transpired there so that is it's i mean you can tell the the big money in the game right the hedge funds the market makers you know clearly you know they they believe that gamestop is not a viable company that it was overvalued and they expected the share price to go down um you know again not to judge the thesis there or recommend any investment decisions I'll just say that as somebody who enjoys video games, I've not been to a GameStop in a long, long time. Um, and, you know, with digital games now, I can certainly understand why there would be doubts about the, 
you know, success of a brick and mortar video game retailer like GameStop. Um, so GameStop gets shorted like crazy, 140%. And that's where, you know, you've probably seen Wall Street bets and Reddit have kind of come up. And that's, you know, everyone, you know, probably know Reddit. Think of it just, it's like a forum. Wall Street bets is, you know, like a forum hosted on, uh, on Reddit. And it's, you know, been, been around for a good while. And their goal has always been to talk about kind of like good and bad of, you know, certain trades, certain investments, um, and things like that. So, um, they kind of took notice of how, how heavily shorted GameStop was and decided that it was a good opportunity for them to kind of take action, take advantage of it. Right. So, you know, if, if you recall kind of those, the mechanics of shorting a stock, right, where you, as the person who is short a company, you borrowed shares and, and sold them. So you're going to have to buy them back to pay back the person that you borrowed them from initially. So when, you know, when, uh, when the price starts going up, like you saw with GameStop, you know, everybody who was shorting it started losing money. And so they wanted to cut their losses at a certain point, which means to do that, they had to close their position and to close their position, they had to go buy more shares, right? So if you're tracking with that, think about, you know, people, the price is getting pushed up, hedge funds are losing money, so they decide they want to cut their losses, so they have to go buy shares to pay back the ones they borrowed, and as more people want to buy a stock, it's going to keep going up in price. As the price keeps going up, more people that are shorting it are going to want to get out of their positions, and that's where you see what's known as a short squeeze, where you know, a confluence of factors come together, the price gets driven up, short sellers want to get out of their positions, and they have to then drive the price up further by buying them to cover uh, cover their short. So Wall Street Bets decides to jump in and start start buying up shares and start applying pressure to uh, to the short sellers since it's since 140% is ludicrous. Just just so you all know, I mean, that is absolutely crazy i think the next closest short you know next closest stock in terms of short percentage is maybe around 70 right now and even that is nuts i mean you gotta think about that's the percentage of outstanding shares that have been short sold shows that either you know shows a serious lack of confidence in the in the future of the company or it's somebody trying to be opportunistic and maybe play some games in the market but um it's that's why it's important to note in the GameStop scenario here that this has nothing to do with you know market or company fundamentals, right? So that's something you'll hear a lot where you know people right now are like, oh, the fundamentals and them are all out of whack. The stock market doesn't track the economy and and things like that, right? You know, and that the fundamental analysis is where you would you know you evaluate a company, you look at their you know, their financial statements, their business plan, their, you know, free cash flow, things like that to really gauge, is it a healthy business? Do they have opportunities for growth in the future? Are they going to grow at, you know, this, this percentage down the line? Um, that's a fundamental analysis, right? There's the only fundamental thing about GameStop and some of these others is that people saw an opportunity to force that short squeeze and to, to capitalize on it. So 
and to some extent it is a bit fundamental, but it's fundamental in terms of, you know, short sell shorts versus longs, right? People who had short positions and long positions. Um, but what's interesting is we saw that GameStop was, you know, a very unique opportunity at 140% short, uh, but it spread, it spurred a trend to those, to other companies. You saw like AMC, Blackberry, Nokia, um, other other firms that were so heavily shorted it all kind of you know that's how the market will move at times there's trends and this has been the latest trend is you know retail investors targeting these heavily shorted stocks to to basically you know for a couple of things right it's one to make money because everybody's in the market to make money to some extent but two because it served as a perfect opportunity to really attack you know hedge funds and kind of the big money that that does a lot of the you know, not not necessarily market pure market manipulation, but you know, there's clearly shenanigans that get played at the highest levels. And you know, when you're working with billions of dollars um, under management, there's certainly an opportunity to to move stocks and to do certain things in ways that somebody like like you and I at the retail level for investing, you know, even our life savings, it's not even it's that's a rounding error to a lot of the large funds so it's just you know playing at a, at a different league it's you know major league baseball versus you know single a at you know lowest lowest levels of of the professional side of things so um definitely that's i think where it really picked up steam where it presented an opportunity for for basically the little guy to stick it to the man and go after the hedge funds and that's really what's propelled the the short squeezes up right so that was a lot of technical stuff, right? Explaining long versus short, what short selling is, how short squeezes come to fruition, um, and like what prompted the, the short squeeze here. So what was the overall impact? Um, and this is what's crazy um, to me is, you know, obviously it spread throughout the market. It affected other stocks. We saw just the most ridiculous volatility of you know stock going from 20 bucks to 500 in a matter of a couple of weeks those things don't happen i checked just before i started recording this gamestop you know today is you know tuesday february 2nd um you know, gamestop got hammered today it was down i think 60 or 65 percent but if you look at you know the options that you could buy you could buy a call which is expecting the price to go up a call option um, for with the strike price so um, strike price is basically like how much you would you could buy shares for based on the options contract strike price is $800 expiring this Friday and it was still 108 bucks for that contract which is just think about it, the stock would have to go up tenfold from today to make money on it and have to do, it would have to go up tenfold by Friday this coming Friday which is it you'll never find that you'll probably never find that kind of options chart or options chain again because it's just so it's so broken which is kind of entertaining to sit on the sidelines and watch it right but um, anyways what was the larger impact well the hedge funds took an absolute beating which you know say what you will about it um, but I'm to me, it's still stunning to look at the scope of losses. So 
you know the biggest ones that have or the biggest one in particular has been Melvin Capital. You, you might have seen that in the news. I saw something where it was reported that they suffered a 53% loss um, in the month of January, and they required um, it was either 2.7 or 3. 2.75 or 3.75 billion in cash from other funds um, just to just to stay stay afloat, stay you know be stabilized. Um, there's another fund, Maple Lane, um, also lost 33%. And let's put some numbers to that, right? So Melvin Capital, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly what their what their uh, equity under management, so basically how much cash they had in the fund w was. Um, I think it was, I can't remember, it was either $8 or $12 billion. Let's say it's $8 billion, right? They suffer a 53% loss. That means in January 1, they had $8 billion. In total, and then come January 31st, they were down to 3.8 billion, roughly, right? That is mammoth. I mean, like that's just for me. I can't even fathom. You can begin to fathom what a billion dollars is like, but the fact that in just a month you can lose four billion plus. I mean, unless you're the government, it's pretty pretty hard to sustain or handle that kind of hit. Um, and you saw it spread kind of throughout the industry. They certainly weren't alone. They were just some of the most um, well-known examples there needing emergency money. But they basically, you know, some other hedge funds had to come in and bail them out, give them that cash infusion just to 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 stay afloat. So it's that in itself was absolutely crazy. I mean, again, we'll probably we may never see this again. So you know, if you thought we were living history with COVID, well, just add some insane you know stock market shenanigans in on top of it um so what was the broader effect here um so you know we talked about certain stocks went up but the market also went down as a whole so why did that happen um and the main reason is you know whether or not or the main reason is funds were forced to move money around right so the the Funds that were shorting GameStop had to had to close their positions, right? So remember, you have to go out, you have to buy shares. Um, well, naturally, you're going to need money to buy shares um, to close that position out. So that's part of it. And there's also the concept of you know, trading on margin, which basically is you know you're taking on on debt of sorts. So you know um, you can trade money that's really not yours. It's definitely, you know, that's a big reason why you look at the stock market crash that led to the Great Depression. That was one of the, one of the driving factors there. Um, but it's also, in this case, you know, as market volatility goes up, there's certain, you know, regulatory requirements where, you know, somebody who, who's lending money out might say like, hey, like, you know, we said you had to, you had to put, you know, 10% down um, you had to get, you know, if you were borrowing a billion dollars that you had to, you know, put up a hundred million dollars in cash, something like that. Right. So when volatility goes up, that same scenario, the bank might come back and say, like, hey, like we gave you a billion dollars, but now we need you to put, you know, 400 million on deposit here um, to, you know, to basically ensure against you potentially defaulting on everything that you borrowed. So combination of having to close out positions um you know needing to 
needing to cover those you know margin calls um, basically it forced you know funds to go out and sell uh, sell other assets right so if maybe you know maybe a fund had a bunch of Apple stock and because they they needed money they had to sell their Apple stock to pay you know to, to get out of their GameStop position or to you know pay back put on deposit collateralize whatever it might be with the bank um, so you saw kind of broader selling in response to the kind of the market all the the craziness the roller coaster nature of what was going on so that's why we saw markets take a dive the other interesting piece is how you know we saw big controversy around Robinhood and you know several of the other brokerages um, where they started you know they were suspending trading or they you know were limiting it and there's there's a lot of there's you know we'll probably never know exactly what confluence of factors uh, led to that kind of decision I mean it's I'm personally you know not stoked with the idea of of a brokerage just deciding like they can unilaterally choose whether or not you can buy and sell a particular stock um, I don't think that's in the spirit of a free market and particularly when there's a brokerage that um, prides themselves on being you know the the promoter of the you know everyday investor um, but from a technical standpoint I do understand what why they did what they did so just like I was mentioning with you know the funds having to you know basically put more money down with the bank to ensure that they didn't you know to ensure against defaulting on their loans basically the brokerages have to do something similar so when you so when you make a trade it doesn't settle for you know a couple days later when when you say settle that means that say you bought a stock right settle means that you actually receive the shares and the the seller receives the cash right to when it actually gets everything gets to where it was supposed to go and there's you know a whole bunch of things could happen that doesn't mean you have to hold on to those shares for days like you could have bought bought 15 minutes later sold 20 minutes later buy back in an hour later sell again and those are all you know trades that are happening so the brokerages have to also put money down to insure against you know a, kind of a, a cash issue there as the trades are getting finalized and settled so just like the banks you know increased uh, their margin calls the you know some of the entities who kind of work on the back end of making trades happen did the same with deposits so it meant you know that certain brokerages had to all of a sudden put down a lot more money um, which why I think Robinhood's raised something like three plus billion dollars from their investors um, just this week in basically emergency funding to be able to handle you know the increased uh, deposits so there's a lot to that we're not going to get too deep into it but um, that's kind of I, I can understand where they're coming from there um, so that's that's a lot that's going on right but overall why is this important well I think there's I think there's a few things to touch on here first is starting with the the newfound impact that the retail investor has so that's probably a term you've heard a lot retail investor that basically is a catch-all term for anybody who's not a professional right so 
might be just you and I, you know, everyday, everyday person who, you know, takes a little bit of their extra money and they, you know, play around within the stock market, right? We aren't, we're not a fund, we're not a hedge fund, we're not, um, you know, we're not an investment firm. It's not like an organized, structural, like professional thing. It's more just, you know, the average person is, is what a retail investor is. So crazy to see like them, you know, retail investors going toe to toe with, with the big players, the market makers, um, and, and making it hurt. I mean, 53% loss in a month is, is that's pretty deadly. In a lot of cases, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, you definitely need some serious help to make that, to survive that. But it's something we've never seen before. And I don't think anybody really knows what the, what the larger impact will be on that front. Like, is this retail investor movement? Is this just kind of a flash in the pan? Is this something we're, you know, just going to see in this particular instance? Or is this now kind of a countering force, you know, a totally decentralized countering force to the hedge funds and the larger organizations out there, um, you know, in the marketplace? It's it's possible. I think either case is possible and only time's going to tell. But it's just it's rocked markets in a way that I don't think anybody would have expected it to. And now it's a very you know unknown future. Like who knows what's next? Saw something about Wall Street bets went from two million to eight million users in just last week. So, you know, they've gained a lot of notoriety. Their reputation is real. Like, their their reach has greatly expanded. So, I I don't know. I think it's more likely than not that we'll see a continued presence from them. I to that to what scale I don't know yet. But I think it'll be fascinating to watch. Kind of a social experiment. Um, and my inclination is with that, we'll probably see, you know, increased volatility. So basically, you know, by volatility, I just mean there's going to be much greater movement in the stock market, whether up or down, um, than you might typically see. So it'll all be interesting. Um, and yeah, in the short term, I think we're going to see those hedge funds and market makers be a lot more conservative with their portfolios. And so, you know, that'll look like, you know, possibly closing out of short positions, maybe just selling their long positions and holding on to more cash. Um, you know, maybe they'll buy, you know, precious metals or Bitcoin or who knows. Um, but I would expect, I would expect the market makers to be, you know, a lot more careful right now in terms of where they're, where they're deploying their money. As part of that, you know, I, you know, I could see potentially the stock market as a whole slowing down a bit, right? We've been on, been red hot since last March, since the bottom of the COVID crash. Um, but I would be really interested in just, in seeing, you know, if, if all of a sudden tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars in these funds kind of gets moved to the sidelines, you know, we might see it slow down, maybe a bit of a pullback, but maybe not, you know, that's, that's the fun of it. I'm certainly not, you know, the most educated professional in the world. I'm not a finance professional, as I talked about at the beginning. But um, I think it's just, I think it's fascinating. This is going to be a crazy. This is going to be a case study that we'll talk about for decades. Um, in the long term, you know, it's it kind of is what it is, right? The long term, we're talking about five, ten, twenty plus years out. I think we'll look back at this as like a just you know a really interesting instance. Maybe the market is permanently changed forever, right? 
but that doesn't t take away from what the market is at its core, right? It's an opportunity for companies they get exposure, they raise money, you know, and then for other people, investors to go in and make money by buying into different companies. So, you know, we're going to have, there's going to be, you know, successful companies, old and new, you know, forever, right? That's just, it's always going to be good and bad businesses. Um, so, I mean, I think this is, you know, just a unique event in terms of the over overarching timeline of, you know, decades and or possibly, you know, hundreds of years here in the market. Um, so, you know, I don't know how much we'll, we'll see in terms of like permanent lasting change on that front. What I think we'll really see come up is just increased scrutiny, regulation, and potentially, you know, trading limits. Um, you know, we've already seen those limits come into play. The SEC is investigating Wall Street bets and just potential like market manipulation practices, um, which, you know, who knows where, how that'll shake out. But just as just as we, you know, as people do in response to any kind of in crazy event, you know, we learn and we adapt, right? So um, I think it's it's very plausible to see some sort of shift um, in kind of the regulatory side of things here where, you know, maybe there's going to be, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what necessarily that looks like. Maybe it's just going to be stocks can't be shorted to a crazy percentage. Maybe you just limited that way um maybe you do limit you know kind of the volume uh, you know of how much if there's online traffic around a certain stock maybe they're going to be more proactive in potentially stopping the trading of that stock so who knows i think there's uncertainty on that front but i i wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw um some changes there but it's also important to know that, you know, this is not going to be a permanent thing. Like these massive short squeezes, GameStop's not going to go up forever. Like I said earlier, we already saw it drop 60 plus percent today. Um, so, you know, it is it is a trend, right? So there's always trends and they change and they last different periods of time. But this is not, you know, this is going to come and go. So just take that um, as you will. What what concerns me is the danger for the novice investors, right? So a lot of new people got in last March with COVID, quarantining, um, just you know having stimulus money and just having a lot more time on their hands, right? A lot of new traders out there, new investors. And so it's so important to note that you know stocks don't always go up. If you got in last March, you might think that because we, the, it has only gone up since basically there's been yeah, a few bad days a few bad weeks but it has been on an unbelievable tear for the last year now so you know everybody's a genius when stocks go up but there's going to be a lot of pain when they go down and there's no doubt about that um you know i myself am, am worried about that if i'm in a position there too um i think it's certainly possible but um you know, you try to mitigate risk as much as possible so um, just, just, you know, know what kind of investor you are, um, how much risk you want to take on and, and just don't expect the, the market to go up forever there. Um, and I also say, you know, don't blindly trust online people or personas. Now caveat here is I do follow some folks, you know, on Twitter and discord, things like that, who, you know, 
I've followed, you know, passively followed kind of what they do. I do my own research into some of the plays that, you know, I decide to follow up on. I always appreciate reading their due diligence to understand kind of their thesis, their ideas behind why they're doing what they're doing. I think that's valuable. But it gets scary when you see, you know, something like, let's say, Wall Street bets where, you know, people can post. I saw something about potentially 97% of the posts there could be generated by bots, not even real people. So what's to stop one person from, you know, posting you know, 50,000 times, hey, buy GameStop, buy GameStop. Meanwhile, they're just pumping it up so that they can turn around and sell it on you. Like that's part of it, right? So you have to be super cautious, particularly right now. Um, you got to be very aware of what you're getting yourself into and the, the financial implications. And, you know, if you want to take a really conservative approach, I don't think anybody can fault that of where, you know, you're, you don't want to invest any money that, that you're worried about losing or that you can't afford to lose. So that's that's my caution flag there. Um, and for things like let's say GameStop, AMC, like it's it's not going to last forever. So, you know, if you haven't, you know, if if you're still involved, just manage manage risk accordingly. Like nobody can tell you when you should sell, when you should buy, um, you know, without you having, you know, a professional a financial advisor, of course. Um, but just uh, it would greatly pain me to see folks that I know and just anyone out there listening to, you know, have bought GameStop at 400 to watch it go back to 10. Right. That's just yeah, just manage risk accordingly there. Um, so I think we, we really dove into a lot. I think this is probably one of my more technical uh, episodes to date, but it was a lot of fun talking about it. And hopefully there was a lot that was beneficial for you in there. Um, you know, if you have any questions, you want to learn more about, you know, what shorting stocks, um, really is like, um, or just kind of in general, my thought process behind different things. Like, of course, definitely reach out. I'd say, you know, key takeaways from the last week and a half is we really saw a shift uh, in the balance of power and whether it's temporary or permanent, who knows, but we did see the little guy really stand up and take on the Goliath of the hedge funds and deal some significant damage. So, you know, might see might see structural changes come out, regulatory changes. Maybe this is a new permanent thing, and Wall Street bets is just going to go toe to toe with hedge funds um, perpetually. Who knows? But it is interesting to watch. That's for sure. Um, you know, a lot of good things happened on that front. You know, people some people made a ton of money on those stocks, but at the same time, there's huge risks. So, like I was just saying, manage that downside. Um, don't get swept up in thinking that, well, if, if you know, GameStop was 300 a couple of days ago, it's going to go back there. So I'm going to pour my life savings in it. And, you know, 60, think it's a discount. Like, just be, you got to be smart out there. Um, I think the short term is going to be pretty crazy, but, you know, the long term, you know, historical, historical performance doesn't indicate, you know, future performance, uh, classic line goes. But, you know, I think we have a pretty good track record of understanding, you know, how we respond to fairly destabilizing events. So I'm probably not going to put too much, too much stock, you know, pun intended there, uh, into just one particular trend at, at this time. Um, and then really the overarching goal of investing is to improve your financial position, you know, to put you kind of into the best spot possible for depending on your goals, right? So if you're young, 
and you're taking risks because you want to, you know, you're looking for big growth um, for the next 30, 40 years so you can retire. Maybe you're older and you're looking at capital preservation. You don't want to lose money. Then, you know, you have to tweak your portfolio and the things that you target based on your personal goals. So um, if you're ever in doubt, you know, I, I don't think you can go wrong consulting a professional. I think that's it's always worth, you know, bouncing ideas off somebody. Um, or, you know, if you're somebody who's just scared to death to be involved, you know, handing it off to somebody else to manage their, your financials isn't isn't the worst idea in the world. So you need to know what's what will work for you, what's the best, you know, what's the decision, best decision for you, those around you and kind of your personal goals. Um, but, you know, from there, just you know, target target assets and investments that are really going to that are going to benefit you and align well with your overall strategy. But went a little bit longer today. I honestly probably could have kept talking about this for so much longer because this is just such an interesting topic to me, and I, I love love div- digging into the into the uh, you know to the the deep unknown to the you know nitty gritty details of of crazy things like this. So. I will go ahead and wrap it up there. But like I said, if you have any questions, you know, reach out to me, grant at capitaladulting.com. Um, if you've listened this far, greatly appreciate, you know, following the podcast, give us a rating. Um, if you like, share it with your friends. Would love to know your thoughts as well. Um, and again, you know, find me, grant at capitaladulting.com. You can visit our website, have a few articles out there. Um, but you know, until... Till the next episode here, I hope you all stay safe out there in the markets and we will talk again soon. Take care.